0: Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host Sam Vicini. We're presented by The Athletic today on the show. I am very tired. But our dear friend, Matthew Penny, is not. We're here. We're going to talk a little bit about J.J. Redick at the top. We're going to talk some more nba draft preview for the 2022 class uh some of the forwards so some of the bigger wings forwards you know it's it's hard to like positionally place some of these guys but you know we're not necessarily talking about the skinnier wings the true wings we're talking about the guys that are going to play more up the positional spectrum at the three four as opposed to like the twos the two threes etc uh we kind of had to split it because there are a lot of these guys, aren't there, Penny?
1: There were a lot. Yeah, we we kind of went back and forth on names, and let's do this one today. Let's save that one for next week. So if he's not, you don't hear him this this time around. It it'll be the next time around. There's a lot and split hairs a little bit on on four threes versus three fours, but we we did our best to make sure it was divided.
0: Yeah, like it it was kind of funny. I was trying to figure out. Okay. Do I place A.J. Griffin here? Do I place him in the next one? I kind of just decided to place A.J. Griffin in the next one. He probably fits here, but I, I don't know. I just kind of went for it at the end of the day. There, there's no rhyme or reason to this uh, in any way. M- mostly just because I'm very tired, Penny, because I had my own personal hell occur last night.
1: Oh, you, have to def- you have to define that personal hell for us. <laughs> personal hell for <laughs> it varies, it varies person, person.
0: is that moment where the fire alarm battery is dying in the middle of the night mm. and it's always in the middle of the night. <laughs> it, it never no. fucking happens. It's, it's never in the afternoon. In the middle of the day. It never happens in the afternoon. It never happens in the morning when you're awake. I work from home. There are plenty of moments where this could happen <laughs> for me and I could just replace the battery and the fire alarm, but it happens every time in the middle of the night and you hear that chirp and you hear that chirp And Laura and I, we obviously live in Melbourne in this new house that we just got. Right, we have to like turn off the main power to our house, and like reset
1: too many steps for me.
0: Yeah, and like reset the fire alarm. This whole process takes at the end of the day probably about two hours. Uh, for us to finalize it, so I don't know. I'm working on like four and a half hours of sleep. I'm a little bit delirious, but yes, my personal hell is that little chirping noise that the fire alarm makes in the middle of the night every single time in the middle of the night. Whenever you're trying to
1: sleep, at least you knew where it's coming from. There, there's some. I think we have a carbon monoxide detector downstairs, and it took me like a day to, to try <laughs> to pinpoint it. So it beeps and kind of like pause and get an athletic stance. Like, where's it going to go again? And then you run the kitchen, you run upstairs. I had a similar personal hell, actually about a year from, a year ago. And uh, last September, my, my friends and I got a place up in New Hampshire. And uh, I actually went with my wife. My son was young and we weren't sleeping really well. So he stayed at home with my in-laws. And uh, we, we had a good time with my buddies. And we go to bed. It's like 11 o'clock. It's like, great. We're going to get seven hours of sleep. Same thing. Three hours later, all the alarms in the house start going off. So I, I thought one of my friends had, had <laughs> done something or, or been... Uh, A little too um, rambunctious, perhaps. And we wake up and everybody... Person
0: most likely to have done this. Our mutual...
1: (laughs) It was his house (laughs) that that he rented. It wasn't him. So we're all kind of like waking up, pointing at each other. It turns out that somebody had left, not one of our friends, and like hit the uh, power box or voltage box or whatever. So the trip alarm for the place to like alert everything was this internal system where every fire alarm is going off in the house so we're taking the batteries off it's still going it was it was also a nightmare uh just as a quick transition though it is september 21st which uh earth wind and fire has reminded us this night we have to remember it so we're going to make the most of it because uh september is one of the best wedding songs of all time and it's a good kind of prelude into riding a wave of good energy into this podcast aside from our our endless chirps and lack of sleep
0: yeah, um, I still haven't watched it yet, but uh, Demi Adijujubi, I believe his name is. Um, he's like a TV writer. He does a video every year on September 21st, basically to the Earth, Wind, and Fire song, and it's great every year. Uh, I am uh, go go follow Electro Lemon because that's a uh, that is a fun thing to do every single year. Um, okay, so let's uh. Let's talk about J.J. Reddick real quick. So, J.J. Reddick, uh, in the middle of the night, in the middle of my disaster, oh, fire oh, alarm situation. Your
1: night, yeah. <laughs> it was it was 9 a.m. Yeah. this morning, but your night, yes.
0: Yeah, uh, J.J. Reddick uh, announced on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three, uh, that he's retiring. And that's a bummer. I, I will say, like, J.J. Reddick is probably – like, J- there was a time where I really liked Duke a lot and rooted for them when i was like you know 12 13 14 years old and he was certainly my favorite player uh in like the basketball playing community uh this was what you did you overlap with jj reddick playing college basketball
1: i did because i distinctly remember our beat reporter asking us Player of the Year, who would you take, Adam Morrison or J.J. Reddick? And I voted right. for Stefan Lasmi for UMass because that had to be a Minuteman. Uh, but similarly, I, I love J.J. Redick,
0: The absolute best teammate in the world, Matthew Perry. Just the <laughs> <absolute> <laughs> that was my job, man. Energy
1: giver. <laughs> um,
0: it, It's just fascinating to me the way J.J. Reddick has... Like, the way his career has gone, I think it's one of the most fascinating, like, basketball careers in the last two decades, easily. Just because if you remember, and I'm sure you do, but, like, for the people out there, like, J.J. Reddick was fucking hated. Everybody hated J.J. Reddick in inconceivable, like, ways. He was like, considered the biggest asshole playing basketball on planet Earth. And, like, he even admitted in an interview to Grantland, um, and they ran this, like, as the headline, that, oh, yeah, I was sort of a prick when he played it, dude. Oh, he, leaned, he, he um, leaned
1: into it now. He knew. I mean, there, there was th- those totally pieces, leaned those into pieces too, about how he was harassed. They found his phone number. They'd call him in, and, and I don't wish that on anybody, but he knew he was the villain. He embraced it. He put on that right. Duke blue. You put on that jersey, and you become... The new Christian Leitner and, and later the, the Grace Allen type deal. There's there's power of villainy that comes with uh, the, <laughs> with also the responsibility of wearing the Duke thing. And it's also pretty damn good. So when you're hitting that many shots and putting your hands up and turning to the crowd, you're, you're going to hear it. And, and also, which is kind of crazy, I'd say at the time, the biggest villain. Can you imagine what it would have been like if he played a Duke now in like the social media era? It would have been tenfold.
0: I mean, we kind of saw it to a much smaller extent with Marshall Henderson. Right,
1: but they're not the same stratosphere with with all the respect. Yeah. It's just not even close. Their games just seemed like he didn't miss.
0: Oh, yeah. So, J.J. Redick, A, was much better. And, B, the microscope of playing for Duke is so much more enormous. And Marshall Henderson was – there was a point where I felt like Marshall Henderson was the biggest story in college basketball. And he played for Ole Miss as, like, a six-foot-two gunner that was just, like, out there taking every three imaginable. J.J. Reddick did that, oh, yeah, and he averaged, like, 28 points a game and shot 45% from three and played for the biggest school in the country and was a top-five team, like, consistently over the course of his peak. The level to which, like, I I genuinely worry, like, if he would have – came come up in the social media era like he probably would not have turned into the well adjusted person that he did. i, I, I um, don't know
1: it, we don't know and he, yeah. he's kind of said like he how he did struggle with it for a long time and rethought playing basketball because that is it is so heavy and people don't understand that He gets some throwaway comment on, on social media or whatever but this kid lived with it every single day like you couldn't turn a corner without somebody yelling at you spit, or you throwing stuff at you now i'm sure he's protected on the it, campus well, and,
0: and literally literally calling his phone right like that was, that was it like they got his phone number and like back then like that's exactly how you fucked with someone
1: You couldn't get text messages like around that time or text message stuff was just starting so you probably had hundreds of uh of stuff without group chat tech stuff and, and without pictures coming through. I, I can't imagine. I, I think he said he changed his number like 10 times or something throughout that year. Because, crazy. Uh, because, yeah, one person would get it and they'd, they'd put something out there then the signs in the crowd and they didn't really, um, they didn't let up on him either.
0: It's absolutely crazy. Um, and then he gets drafted by Orlando. He goes, uh, I believe, like 10th, 11th, 13th something like that i can't remember the number um struggles like really early on like he was not very good for a couple years in the nba like he did not even really carve out a true rotation role until his fourth year in the league and i think that he was really at risk of becoming just this next great college player can't translate to the nba um like real at risk story of just not making it. And he didn't reinvent himself. He just became simply put like elite at the thing that he was great at, which was shooting. And he came up probably like three years too early in terms of the shooting revolution, but like the three point revolution just hit him like right at um, the point in his career where he so desperately needed it. And Because of that, I mean, Jager going to be remembered as one of the great shooters in NBA history, point blank. Uh, He shot, he's 15th all-time in made three-pointers and look like he's going to fall a little bit, but that's largely just because he got to the NBA late and because he struggled early on to make his mark in the NBA. I mean, you look at... uh, three-point percentage he's sixth all-time having it 41.5 percent. i mean like jj reddick's career was absolutely astonishing and staggering um when you really look back at it for a guy that uh, literally it took him four years like it took him four years to turn into anything in the nba
1: and so often teams kind of give up on you by that point, too. It's uh three years hasn't done it. it took yep. four years before he even averaged double figures. And then he kind of even hit his stride later with the Clippers, where he had three or four straight years where he shot over like 43, 43%, 42% from three. And that was like 2014 to 2018. So it wasn't like a complete reinvention of himself. He just kind of honed in on this elite special skill and made shots. It's the, the laziest argument ever. But when you look at the numbers too, like it took him a while to kind of, I'd say get acquainted to the style, the speed, the pace of play, the physicality of the NBA. And then what he did, you're right. He, he was just a little bit ahead of his time. Whereas his numbers, I don't know if the percentages would be as high, but the scoring stuff would probably go up if he had gotten the league about four years later. And he still had about four years now. Uh, as opposed to yep. retiring at at 37, still, I mean, at 37 to be playing and, and making shots the way he did, and I remember as little as late as like a week ago, there's some stories circulating that he was going to sit for a while, wait and see if he could latch on with a contender in January, and then now, like today, he's hanging up and retiring. Which I get it. Yeah. I'm I'm a similar age. I I know, and I can't imagine the the toll of his body has faced, especially coming off screens and, and getting elbows and trying to fight through it every night for as long as he has. But uh, a good story of he was this absolute rock star celebrity villain in college and not a guy that kind of went away after a year or two, like a, a Johnny Manziel or something, where, yeah, it's a, it's a cool college story, then flames out. Like, this guy created uh, an unbelievable legacy as a shooter.
0: Yeah, like, it re- like I mean... There really was a lot of, like, Manzel there, wasn't there? Yeah, er, like, early, like he, the Manziel
1: he, before the Manzel.
0: Right. That's a crazy comparison. Like, I never really thought of that until now, but there's just, like, a lot of that, the more you think about it. Like, he was legitimately one of the biggest stories, like, in sports, period, even though he was in college, and people just hated him in the same way that they hated johnny manziel it's that's that's a fascinating comparison and and the way that he turned it around i mean like there are so few nba players now that are more beloved than jj reddick just like on a personal level oh of course Um, i
1: feel like he's opened up a lot more with the podcast stuff and totally just you kind of get more humanized when you when you do that stuff and allow yourself to to kind of be the butt of the joke a little bit and he's not 20 years old anymore worried about what the Maryland fans are going to have up in the crowd and his stuff's really good and and gets people to open up on on his show too and uh, it's it's just it's growth and you can tell like like us complaining about alarms in the night I'm sure he'll have to deal with some of those fatherly duties uh, as he transitions (laughs) here into just being a a semi-regular Joe with a a really good podcast
0: yeah JJ Reddick uh made $130 million so, in his NBA career. So what you're saying is he doesn't um, have
1: to do a podcast if he doesn't want to. No. <laughs> uh,
0: and I, I was talking to someone who works for a trainer yesterday and there was a just like a conversation I mean like J.J. Reddick came up I mean he made what? Uh, just kind of looking through the numbers here he made $8 million through his first four years and then seven million dollars in his fifth year like on the on his second contract to start so i mean he made 15 million dollars in his first five years and then you know another 12 so let's say uh he was up to 27 million dollars through seven years in the nba i mean with the way that contracts are exploding guys that can shoot even like close to the level that jj reddick can shoot those guys are going to make two hundred million dollars. Oh, I mean Duncan. Duncan NBA, Robinson signed for ninety. Career. Yeah, and Duncan Robinson got to the NBA when he was like 26. Right, <laughs> right. Like,
1: I mean, Duncan, that, that th- is the crazy, numbers... crazy to wrap your head around that. That Duncan Robinson's one contract is close to like the career earnings, in in a sense, of, of what JJ Redick did, and and even like as late as uh, I'm looking at now in 2018, 2019, he averaged eighteen yeah. points per game.
0: Oh, like, J.J. Redick, over the last two years that he was in New Orleans, like, he played it for Dallas, like, late this year. I kind of just want to erase that from my memory in a lot of ways. Um, he was part of some of my favorite sets that teams would run. He would act as, like, a screener for Zion Williamson, and opposing teams would just have, like, no idea how to defend it because like Zion would either be a freight train. You'd have to like play drop with like two on the ball in order to just like slow him down physically or else he was just getting to the basket and scoring. Or you'd have to like switch the action. And the guy who was guarding JJ, who was probably like a small guy to like chase JJ Reddick around the screens or even just like a wing who would just have no chance to deal with Zion. Like so, some of the shit that they've, they were running over the last couple of years. Like it, it was some of the most creative stuff that, I've seen in a while. And like, you know, people will laugh at that and go like, Oh yeah, that's like funny. You know, it's not new basketball to just have like the great shooter screen on ball and then pick and pop and, you know, do all that stuff. But I mean, they would do some really creative stuff off of it. Like, uh, JJ would come up and like rescreen, or like he'd pop and then Zion would come over and re-screen for him. Like it was just really, really fun. And, uh, he was, like, 35, 36 right, right. doing that. Well, Van, like, Van, Van
1: Gundy also knew how to play to his strengths as coaching before, too.
0: Yeah, and Alvin Gentry as well, like, because he was there, too. Like, it was, man. Yeah, I, I will miss watching J.J. Redick uh, do just, like, fun shit like that. I, I mean, like, his best years, you could say, came in Philadelphia when he was 33 and 34, Uh like, if anyone's, like, worried about Duncan Robinson living up to the contract, I mean, um, if he's willing to put in half as much work as Redick did, I mean, there's a good chance that he's going to continue to age pretty well, I would say.
1: Yeah, seem, seems like he does. Do we think that definitively this is over? We're not going to talk about this in January, February, where he latches on with somebody?
0: I, I mean, look, like, people will talk about it, but I'll take him in his word. You know what I Jim. mean? Like, I think it seemed pretty thoughtful and definitive in terms of just the statement he made before his podcast like i yeah sure i'll, I'll take him in his word i'm sure people will discuss it i'm sure that some nba team that needs shooting will call caa in february and be like <laughs> hey is there any chance like jj might want to do this again and you no know, I, I guess that he'll have to come up with an answer then but until then i'm I'd Take him at his work. Yeah, he's, you know, he's, he he's, pretty... he's
1: found his happiness, but there's still, there's basically did a year ago, even. And if we want to erase the the last stop, there's there's probably still some gas in the tank. The light's not on E yet. There's still some stuff in there if you wanted to push it.
0: Oh, totally. I think there's absolutely some gas in the tank still if he would want to play, but maybe he wants to go out where he's not just like hanging on. I don't know. Um, but the, the statement seemed like pretty thoughtful and definitive, I thought. So, um, Let's move on. Let's go from 37-year-old gunners to 18-year-old shooters and force pacers. (laughs) Uh, Until then, though, let's uh, take a quick commercial break. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with Nord VPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server encrypting it in the process. This is gonna hide your location from your ISP hackers and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shop blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash gametheory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus, With Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash gametheory to claim your account, nordvpn.com slash gametheory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord, and it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash gametheory okay penny's back we're going to talk about the bigger wings forwards those kind of positions and there are two guys that particularly stand out for me in this regard um maybe three but i I think that they're There are two that are just slightly ahead of Caleb Houston for me. Uh, The first one is Patrick Baldwin. And Baldwin, from my discussions with NBA teams and college coaches over the course of the last like three weeks or whatever, it seems like he is pretty polarizing for them. And I can't really – I understand why, but I also don't. Because he's six foot nine and he's like the best, like six foot eight and above shooter I think I've seen for someone that is that young. Like, I remember when he was 16 and I was like, oh no, this guy like could shoot in an NBA game. He couldn't do anything else, but he could shoot in an NBA game right now. Uh, I, I'm, ai think I get the impression I'm a little bit higher on Patrick Baldwin than what other people are just solely because of what we talked about with J.J. Reddick and Duncan Robinson a minute ago, where shooting is just such an incredibly important skill. And if you can shoot at the level that Patrick Baldwin, that kind of already can and certainly has potential to grow into, it's just kind of hard to miss, I feel like.
1: I'm on board. I'm, I'm higher than most, I'd say, too. And he's going to Milwaukee next year to play for his dad, who's the head coach and he opted to play for him as opposed to all ties together. I was back to Duke. He was potentially going to go to Duke, but he didn't. So he he also, like, I applaud that move, but it it also may create some of these narratives we're talking through already, making it tough for him to enter this top three conversation just based on conference schedule and and limited marquee-type prospect games. And I know the counter will be, well, John Morant went to Murray State, but John Morant's kind of pop of what he does as a skill is different than Patrick Baldwin's I'd say I I, I really like the shooting and at his size at six nine looks like he's still growing really high release on that shot too that he can get off from anywhere he's stronger and more confident in his game than he was a year ago the high school film I watched in the past season it looked like he was kind of first to strike and initiate contact more in the post and he used that length more around the basket. I wanted him to be a little bit better at the USA U19 World Championships. Is under eight points per yep. game. It wasn't. It's not a knock on him. He he played his role. He hit open shots. He passed. He moved. He cut when the lane was open. Uh, I want him, and that ties into. I want him to develop more of that takeover gene. He played on a loaded grassroots team at Phenom U. Obviously, this U19 team was was loaded. At Milwaukee, it'll actually be a benefit where he's going to be the alpha on the team and and leaned on and relied upon to score the basketball at significant rate throughout the year in in almost every single game that they play.
0: Yeah. I I mean, how many guys in the horizon league are going to be able to like even really contest his shot at six foot nine Con- it's kind of where yeah I'm at. contest at like... the
1: peak not many but there'll be plenty of i mean we, we laugh to start we have 18 19 year olds you're, you're gonna be playing against guys who transferred 23 24 years old who are just physically stronger who are gonna put their forearm in your chest and make it hard for you to catch and then if he gets a clean catch and squares his body he'll get the shot off but they're gonna make him work to do that for sure
0: I guess, but, like, his dad's just going to run a shit ton of pick-and-pop stuff, and I think it's just really hard to play that physical, like, on the pick-and-pop. Like, I guess you can, like, grab on the screen and the mesh point, but, I mean, if he's just picking and popping and shooting from, like, above the break, I think that that's probably good for nine points a game right there. Oh, uh, of course, but
1: defense will probably send that second guy early yeah. whether that's in in the half court or whether it's coming off pick and pop or matching up in transition they're not going to let him get comfortable they're going to make him work for his catches his touches and his baskets but I, I do think that he turned the corner a little bit and I, I did like his demeanor during the high school stuff you, you have to play a role within USA basketball that, that's just the way it is and when you're on a team with Jaden Ivey and, and Chet Holmgren and all these other guys who are just marquee players and stars it, it's Just one basketball is not enough for everybody to shine. They won the gold medal. So it's not like that performance was a letdown by any means.
0: Yeah, no, you're totally right. Um, I I think that he's definitely going in the lottery. Like he's one of the guys, like I kind of mentioned. Yeah. I kind of mentioned last time that I don't have a lot of confidence in projecting this draft class. I, I think that like, there are probably, you know, six or seven guys that I feel like really, really confident, um, are definitely going in the first round, out of this recruiting class, right? I think he would be one of them. I mean, he's just what the NBA is looking for at six foot nine as a very, very high level shooter. At the end of the day,
1: yeah, I'm I'm much higher too than the consensus that's kind of out there. Uh, it, it'll just see what kind of clip he hits at and how he's able to create and what he's able to do kind of as an inside outside game but I wouldn't rule out him being in that top five talk when the year's over I I thought he'd be higher at this point it's just I I do have those concerns about what what's he going to also be able to do to leap into that conversation is he going to have to average 18 points per game and and people are just blown away of of what he's doing in that league I think they play Florida non-conference is he just going to have to light them up for people to open their eyes I, I don't know what there is that is kind of the the hesitation
0: yeah no I, I'm I'm with you on that for sure and you know going from him where the thing is going to be built around him entirely to Jabari Smith where I don't know what to expect to be honest uh, with Jabari Smith but I know he's really talented uh, he's a great athlete he moves really well laterally uh, but he's a six foot ten. Ish. What would you say? Six foot ten, six foot eleven, yeah, something like that.
1: I think six ten, but six ten-ish is fair.
0: Yeah, six ten ish, let's say. Um, man, I think like pure four, realistically. Uh, I don't think that he's ever gonna really put on the bulk to where you want him to play the five uh, for a large swath of minutes, and I don't really think you want that guy to play the three either. Um six foot ten athletic four man that's going to auburn who has a really smooth looking shot uh has great lateral agility uh in so far as like i think he probably projects to being pretty switchable although the tape there is a little bit mixed not due to athletic tools but just due to like um wherewithal and just like knowing uh, awareness and knowing situation and everything defensively as you would expect for you know 17-year-olds, 16-year-olds when you're watching tape, uh, trying to adjust to playing semi-high-level defense, or at least like trying to play defense. Pretty good weak side rim protector. Like, Just does a lot of the things that NBA teams are looking for, but I, I just don't know how it looks on an NBA court at the end of the day, and I don't even know how it looks, certainly for Auburn, where he's probably going to be lined up next to Walker Kessler, and he's you know got some pretty real questions at the guard spot they have like three point guards that they just brought in via transfer um alan flanagan is going to miss some time we'll talk about him next week when we do the wings uh it's just a weird situation at auburn i don't totally know what to make of it and i think that there's just like some room for uncertainty with jabari smith but i think he's definitely a top 10 talent the more that i watch some tape
1: talent yes he, he, he certainly has more of that finesse game too which isn't necessarily what you expect at auburn and you just accustomed more to that uh, to reuse the word last week just a smash style of, of pressing and getting in your face shooting is his calling card and, and you hit it he has this high and really confident release he likes to trail the play and, and pull up he uses size well to get off jumpers over smaller players I don't love his ball skills, really. He can mix it up a little bit off the yeah. bounce, but but not totally like this honed-in prospect. And also not the most consistent post-scorer. He's got a couple moves, but not real, like, a true go-to. Very good hands, soft hands, predominantly right, not using his left too much. Good enough athlete, but better without contact. Like, if it, it's different if he's dunking on the fast break versus you're in the dunker spot and somebody rotates and, and hits you late. I like this timing defensively, does have that good second jump off the ground. It just instinctually knows, oh, okay, that that's short, I'm, I'm jumping again. He'll block shots with both hands. The, the talent, put him top 10 to start, great, but I, I have to see how it looks in, in actually the context of a, a college basketball game too.
0: Yeah, I mean, just some of the point guards they have. They have Wendell Green. They have Katie Johnson. Uh, who, who's the third one? Is it Zepp Jasper? I think yep, from yep, uh, Charleston. Charleston yep. Who came in? Yeah. So.
1: And like those, how the, those guys kind of they aren't shy. Like those guys ahead. are gonna shoot.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those guys are. You know, they can pass, but a lot of those guys are more on the scoring side of the spectrum, let's call it. Uh, if the spectrum is, you know, shooting to passing and distributing as a point guard, uh, they certainly lie more on the uh, shooting side, I would say. But, I mean, he's really gifted. And I think it's just going to be like really, really hard for him not to be productive on some level. Also, like, what style? does Auburn play because Walker Kessler like is definitely a athletic big man who can run the floor. But like, I I mean, are you going to play small? Cause they like to play at pace. And I don't know that like playing it like legit pace is the best for Walker Kessler either.
1: It's not, I, I got to give Walker a, a little bit of, of credit though, because in North Carolina, he, he was just sort of run up and down block some shots rebound he can do more of that that you'll be able to hit him he'll reverse it can screen away with jabari being able to shoot and and that's his best trade's best talent you can play those two together as long as jabari can can guard some fours yep but to to absolutely what you're saying they advance the ball up the sideline and and walker kessler run rim runs and posts and jabari trails if he reverses it to katie johnson and goes off pick and roll that sucker's going up. Like, I don't know if he's getting the kick back to, to hit many threes, too. So I, I don't know necessarily what his numbers will be and what would be considered a metric for accomplishment versus disappointment, too. Is it just shot percentage? Is it the, the JT Thor treatment where we saw these stretches uh, and spans of, of plays to end games and certainly the end of the year that kind of catapulted up his draft status? Or is it going to have to be a, a more consistent mm-hmm. thing that we see throughout the year?
0: Yeah, that is a good point, bringing up JT Thor, because Jamari Smith is just like kind of a much upgraded version of JT Thor, like similar level athlete, you know, crazy twitchiness probably doesn't quite have like the outlier length that JT Thor has, but he's much, much more fluid and accomplished as a shooter yes. uh, to where Auburn like will straight up just give him the green light, I think, to shoot. I will generally say when I've seen Jabari Smith shoot, like he seems a lot more comfortable in the mid-range. Is that your experience as well? From
1: hmm. uh, for, for the most, it, it, that's the most comfort. But as we know, that that shot doesn't, it's not that it doesn't exist, but NBA guys, that's not getting him excited. Like if he short rolls and, and hits a jumper and nobody closes out, great. But it, it's more right. being able to stretch the court. He, he's comfortable enough. I, I think he'll be fine there. It, it's not something that I wrote down to cause concern about.
0: Yeah, like, I I think he's going to shoot threes, especially by the time he's, like, 22. If he shot anywhere from, like, 33 to, like, 40% from three, I don't think I would be surprised, just depending on, like, where his attention was this summer, right? Um, What what was he focusing on? I don't know. But the shot looks great. Like, it's very translatable. It looks like it should be fine. But he's, like you said, like, he's a much upgraded version of JT Thor in a lot of ways. Like, I, I think that jabari smith coming in is probably why jt thor left i would think because jt thor was like not necessarily like a guaranteed top 40 pick whenever he decided to declare for the nba draft and teams went back and watched the tape saw the flashes and charlotte took him. i mean i, I kind of Talked a little bit about J.T. Thor and the fact that I'm not a particular fan of him long term, but Jabari Smith has all the same similar athletic tools on defense because of his mobility and because of his flexibility and coordination, and he's a better shooter than J.T. Thor is as well. So, uh, and I honestly, frankly, like I, I kind of think he has a little bit more ball skills. You're right. I don't feel super confident with him handling the ball but i felt terrible when jp thor <laughs> had the ball last year and had to make decisions so well like, he
1: didn't have to make them really when all, all the highlights and clips for the most part are when the game was just starting and just ending he wasn't really doing it in crunch time
0: right um I, I would say jabari smith is someone i feel pretty good about going in the first round um a, another one similar to patrick baldwin like I feel pretty confident that he's going to end up somewhere in that mix. Does he average like 10 points and six rebounds or something because it just doesn't totally work and the adjustment to physicality like for some reason fails. I mean like look that that's like a potential outcome. I would be surprised if that happened. You think, hi- you you think higher or lower? I think, I think higher. I think he's going to end up being like a 14 and 8 guy who makes a three and looks pretty good defensively and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, I, I, I could get there. It, it's gonna, it, it's gonna be the meshing with the guards too, and, and how they play, and, yeah. and and how long he's gonna be able to stay on the court if he he misses a defensive assignment or if the if the shots not falling. What else is he doing to kind of stay out there?
0: Yeah, yeah, but like his at the end of the year, his highlight reel is gonna look fucking phenomenal. Yes, if Grand you, if you
1: chop teams. it up for two minutes, it look great.
0: Yeah, like it, it's gonna be. A, an expanded version of what we saw with Thor last year and he's I think that I feel good about him going in the first round I, I do think there are like real avenues to where Jabari Smith ends up like in the conversation with the dudes like Chet Holmgren and Paula Boncaro too it, it, it's um,
1: interesting there there was some of that talk even early with I would say the draft kind of mocks adjusted a little bit, but when you first look looking like, in senior high school, he's kind of around that area. People just considered him this top five to top seven guy. Now it's cooled off a little bit without any really games being played. It's really fair and safe to just say mid-lottery right now. I would feel pretty confident saying he's a first-round pick. Crazier things have happened, but he, he does just have so many tools for this modern stretchish big that can play the four, not really the five, but keeps defenses having to close out and keeping those driving lanes open for both Auburn and whoever he ends up with on the NBA.
0: Right. Like, the the key with him being able to be, like, that big four man is that he can actually shoot and he can actually move his feet. Um, Like, someone like Jeremiah Robinson Earl, like, hasn't really proven that he can shoot and isn't, like, the twitchiest athlete, right? So there's a chance that, like, he's going to have to play the five. Like, Jabari Smith is going to be able to move his feet and slide with like smaller players and use his length to like keep up with them. And he's going to be able to shoot it like at a pretty real clip. I think Um, if it goes like really, really well and like if Auburn uses him as like the centerpiece, which I I just don't know what Auburn's going to do. Maybe he proves himself as being like very clearly their most talented player, especially with Alan Flanagan out there is a real world where he becomes their centerpiece early in the season. Um, I really think there is a chance that he ends up like in that top three conversation. I feel much more confident having him around like that five, six, seven mark to start.
1: The and year. Bruce Pearl's good at curveballs. He had to deal with Sharif Cooper not playing to start the year last year. Has to deal with Alan Flanagan out this year. He's he's used to adjusting. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's kind of scrapped his initial plan. The new one involves more of Jabari Smith. Just for everything you said. You're gonna have this scoring and offensive hole that Alan Flanagan being out creates.
0: Yep, totally. Uh okay. The next one for me is Caleb Houston. I have him just like slightly lower than Patrick Baldwin and Jabari Smith. I have him like late lottery ish range right now. He's going to Michigan. He's a six foot eight, kind of combo forward, who I think will probably play mostly the four for Michigan this year, we think, right?
1: Yeah, sort of that Franz Vagri type role.
0: Yeah, just, just kind of looking at the way their roster sets up. Like, he might – you know what? Like, he might end up at the three just because they have Diabate. Correct, yeah. They have Brandon Johns. Like, obviously, Hunter Dickinson yeah. going to be their center. Yeah, I mean, he probably is going to be their three-man. I think he profiles much better at the college level at the four, though.
1: Oh, that that that's what I think, too. And as soon as I said, friends, Wagner, I said, yeah, they also have Musa Diabate, who I think is is similar to that. But they're, they are different prospects. I mean, I, the ironic thing about Caleb Houston is – He is a big shooter, and he shot uh, 7 for 37 at the FIBA U19s for a 19% clip. But he still averaged 17 points, 6 rebounds, 2.5 assists. So I'll give him credit because I always sort of thought he'd be this catch-and-shoot guy trailing to play, and that would be his game because that's what it was when he was at Mount Vernon Academy the first time I saw him. Maybe the second time I saw him because he was on that Cade Cunningham, Dayron Sharp team. Uh, Moses Moody, I mean whatever name a first round pick, they probably went to Mount Vernon Academy and then he's expanded and he, he's added dimensions off the bounce and finishing more in the lane and he's by no means a jet, but he finds his way into the paint And uh, I, I am drawn to his feel offensively It's kind of why I said the, the Wagner thing he knows when to back cut, go back door when overplayed and he relies on brains more than simply just being more athletic than other guys
0: yeah, totally. But like, do you feel good about him being able at the college level to comfortably put the ball on the ground and like attack a closeout and drive to the rim and then like make a decision off of the pass?
1: College, yes. I'm I'm firm, yes. There and NBA is different because mm-hmm. there is sort of like this paced Kyle Anderson y type approach game. Like he's he's has a decent first step, but he's not going to beat in the first step plant. Than his left foot and rise up and dunk. That's just not really his game. The FIBA film, though, he did kind of play this this bigger, for Canada, I'm sorry, he played this kind of like bigger facilitator, initiator type role that I just hadn't necessarily seen him play yet. So I don't want to write him off because there could also be more stuff there to unpack as a prospect. At his size, with, with the ability to shoot and, and play multiple positions, I don't know how it works with Hunter Dickinson. And Musa, but it, it, he's a guy that's going to be hard to take off the floor just because how much he affects the game offensively.
0: Yeah, I just I don't think he's, like you said, he's not a particularly explosive athlete in a way that concerns me uh, in regard to translating to the NBA. Like Michigan's going to be able to play so long this season They'll play Hunter Dickinson at center and play like a ton of drop coverage. They will play Brandon Johns, who's like a six foot eight, four man. They'll play Diabate, who's like somewhere between six nine and six ten and has like crazy length. And then they'll play Caleb Houston, who's six foot eight, like at the three pretty regularly, I would imagine. Like that's going to be a very, very long team that just covers so much ground in college basketball like that court is just going to be so shrunk when teams play michigan um michigan does lose a lot this year like there seems to be like this conversation about michigan where they're gonna be an unbelievable team again and you know i think that they have a very high um i think they're like considered like a potential top five top six team right yeah something like that um I mean, they lose a lot of defensive versatility from this roster. Like Franz Wagner was one of the best defenders in the big 10 last year. Shondi Brown was a great athletic, tough, physical defender. Isaiah livers was a good defender who really knew his role within that scheme and did a good job on that end of the floor. Uh, They just don't, that's a lot of defensive value to lose on the wing. Like it's, honestly going to be incumbent upon Caleb Houston to play one of those roles and really be effective on that end because losing as much as they did. I'm just like a little bit worried. Like I think that Torvik right now has them projected as the second best defense in the country. And it's just like kind of hard for me to fathom that given how much they lose and given uh, just kind of like how much, like defense is just so based on continuity and knowing where everyone's going to be. This is just like a young team to have that highly rated. I would think
1: defensively Uh, a one benefit though, is with Musa Diabate, who I'm sure we'll talk about shortly here. Anyway, we
0: we should talk about him like within this session. So he he can
1: kind of guard the top of the press, the top of the zone. And and they do have so much length that you can show different kind of matchup zones or you show a different look for two, three in a minute and just, you throw Musa up top, throw him on, on the, the bottom side with him on one side, Caleb Houston on the other, Hunter Dickerson in the middle. Despite their perceived weaknesses, I think you can turn that into strengths in some of your defensive sets, too. You just might have to keep evolving and changing as the younger guys get up to speed with what the defense is supposed to look like.
0: So with Caleb Houston, like I think he probably will be a first-rounder, but this is where we start getting into, like I think there's like a pretty real chance that his athleticism doesn't play up like in the way to where he just doesn't end up there. Right. Like I would project him right now as a first rounder. I I have him at like 14 or so on my board, like, you know, 12, 14, something in that range. But this is where it starts to get a little bit more questionable. I think just to kind of close the loop on Houston. Right. Could
1: be one of these bailout also better NBA than college guys, the way he plays and the way they can kind of isolate some of his stuff. And, not being the wow athlete but still knocking down shots and having space to create a little bit off the bounce. I'm I'm not I'm similar. I, I'm I'm kinda like this mid first round and, and show me to, to move up or down based on kind of how he plays and the athleticism just is it gonna be able to translate. Is he gonna be able to do enough defensively to move his feet, to, to beat a guy in one on one situations and will the shot improve. We're we're not gonna here make commentary on a, a sample size of thirty seven shots, but To go seven for thirty-seven in FIBA, it's uh, it's on the list. Something to look at.
0: Yeah, I'm honestly less worried about the shot. I do think he'll shoot. Um, the shot just looks pristine with Caleb Houston. Like, there's not really a reason to think he's not going to shoot outside of that small thirty-seven shot sample, right? right? Um, Musa Diabate, just to kind of close the loop on Michigan, I do see him as more of like a two-year guy. Do you agree with that?
1: I do I don't know if he necessarily will be, or, or want, I don't know if any of these guys necessarily want to be, but probably. I mean, defensively at 6'11 and the way he's able to play the four and, and switch onto the wings for a possession or, or switch on ball screens, like that type of defensive versatility is is obviously appealing in the NBA, the way the game has yep. evolved, and that the defense for him is way ahead of his offense. Uh, it's not...
0: Oh, he's he's a legit defender. Yeah. Like, he... It's not... He is one of the best defenders in this recruiting class that I've ever If not... Like, there's a case he's the it's best. It's
1: not like the Usman Garuba thing as much, where the offense is like, holy moly, at points. And Usman got way better, hit some corner threes as the season progressed for him. Overseas for Musa, like, he can score, and he can post, and has a quick little righty hook. But he's more of like a, a roller of uh, pick and roll and he yeah. could hit the occasional jumper though it doesn't scare me like if he picked and popped i'd say shoot it for for a while he runs really hard he just kind of needs more court awareness too because organized basketball is still reasonably new to him too like he hasn't grown up playing this forever i do love him at michigan also sort of that like four man switching changing make quick decisions and and tight windows sort of that friends Wagner, but have other people kind of setting the table for you offensively as well but his defense is going to shine through and that's going to be what nba scouts really take away for for him as being what makes him so special
0: yeah i think that i'm on the same page with you often or defensively with him I, i think he's like legitimately amazing on defense for a kid that is as young as he is um you know he's does turn 20 midway through the year. So he is a little bit older for a freshman, but even for a 20 year old, like where he is defensively, like the the switchability is a real thing with him. Like he can fly around defensively, like in a substantial way. Like, and the other thing about him that really impresses me is he doesn't get afraid. Like he's skinny, but like that dude plays hard and like plays through contact. like, That shit doesn't bother him. Like, he wants to play physically. Oh, yeah. And as he puts on weight, um, like, if he can get up to, like, 230 pounds over the next, like, three years or so, he's probably, what, like, 210, 215 right now? Yeah, and and he works.
1: I mean, he's transformed his body since being at at IMG Academy. (laughs) I think he was at DME Academy before that, if I'm not mistaken. So, he'll he'll put the time in to improve his body, to get it where it needs to be.
0: Yeah, totally. And as he does that, like, he's going to be... Like, it's going to be hard to play through him. Like, he he initiates the contact. He does not just, like, absorb it and, like, kind of deal with it. Like, he wants to play hard. Like, he goes up hard on the glass. Um, offensively, I think I'm a little bit lower than you are. Um, I, I don't feel great when he has the ball in his hands. Like, I don't feel like a positive decision is coming uh, if he has to do anything beyond just like make a quick like predetermined read you know what I mean I
1: I do also I'm I'm not trying to um, give you excuses Uh, hasn't been asked to hasn't had to he's played on these loaded IMG teams where just just be that guy be that utility every man highest level doing it but we're not relying on you with 10 seconds left in the shot clock let's clear out Assad and make sure he can get a move and go to it It, it's never going to be his game for Freshman year, would be a lot of putbacks, dunks, fast breaks, broken plays, maybe hits a jumper or two during the game, and, and people shake their head and say, that wasn't a scouting report. That's why I, I sort of agree that two years is better than one, but if you're 20 years old, and then your sophomore year, you're looking at your 21, 22, then people start saying, well, is he too old? Is the offense not getting there? He might have to strike, if the iron's hot, at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I'll just be very interested to see what his minutes look like. He is Theoretically, a very good defensive fit with Hunter Dickinson. Um, I worry about the lack of shooting because I I don't feel confident in him being like anywhere near like a thirty-five percent three-point shooter right now. No, I don't. I don't either. Um, You're right. Like there is some ceiling there in terms of defense, but or in terms of shooting, but it's just not nearly there yet. So with him and Dickinson on the court. you're looking realistically to non-shooters and then it comes down to what do you think of Devonte Jones who hit 33% from three last year? What do you think of, um, you know, someone like, yeah, uh, like Terrence Williams, who's not really a shooter or can Brandon Johns kind of step in and, you know, give some spacing. I'd imagine Johns is probably going to be like a like for like replacement oftentimes for Diabate uh just like kind of an interesting like um if i remember correctly like zeb jackson's not really a shooter uh, uh he he, he, he
1: put on a circuit he can more of mid-range can can shoot from three but didn't i mean they're both michigan being so loaded he just didn't really have a chance to to do it last year frankie collins i really like freshman from coronado high school out in vegas but still question marks there too that's why I like. I, I like the roster on paper. Yeah. I, I'm just not necessarily as high to start the year. It's it's, it's show and prove with, with just the youth and then the, the meshing of the bigs in the front court too. Great pieces, great on paper, but what is it, like how are they able to play within the framework we're describing here when it's cr- kind of going to be hard to not have Caleb Houston and Hunter Dickinson and Musa Diabate on the court, but what does that look like from an offensive set?
0: Yeah... Like, I think, I think, like, Illinois and Michigan are on a pretty similar level this year. And I think that, like, I would take Ohio State and Purdue just, like, a little bit ahead of those teams right now. Yeah. Is kind of where I'm right. at. Uh, Michigan probably has the ceiling. To surpass all of those teams, outside of maybe Purdue, like I, I'm like fucking all in on. Oh, Purdue. you were, <laughs> we'll <laughs> We were all in on Purdue um,
1: pre-tournament last year too. Now, now I hope they really get it right because they have everybody back. But we uh, North yeah, Texas, I, it was North Texas they lost to, right? We we missed on that last year.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I could not be more in on Purdue. I'm probably hilariously wrong, but um, yeah, Purdue and Ohio State, like Ohio State just has a ton of depth and like a ton of guys that are older that makes me think that they'll probably be okay. Um, and then they really, I think took care of the defensive side of the floor in a way that they desperately needed to like going out and getting Jamari Wheeler going out and getting like true bigs that can actually play some minutes and Joey Brunk. And then hopefully Zed keys a little bit older. Um, yeah, I'm a little bit older and you know, we, we can shift to the older guys now that are returning, um, and talk about EJ Liddell, I guess, cause that's just a nice transition. Um, In a second here. Let's take a quick commercial break, though. Okay. We're back. Let's talk about EJ Liddell real quick. So... I talked to someone that saw Ohio State practice, um, just, you know, whatever, not even like a fully organized practice or whatever, just saw EJ play at Ohio State um, last week, and they were just like, oh, wow, this kid is just like a total monster, and he's going to be one of the best players in college basketball.
1: Oh, no. We're, we're doing that already? Like the pickup game, All-Stars?
0: Yeah, we are. We, <laughs> oh, yeah, are. we are. For we are. Ohio State guys, we, we do this, Okay. Play.
1: Everyone's everyone's Only everyone's State ten guys. pounds lighter. They're in better shape. They're getting up and down the court. Learn from their lesson from last year. That, that's my that's my hangout a lot. Is everybody looks? Everyone's undefeated right now, right? Like I, I hope no one's lost yet.
0: <laughs> I'm Trying to think. Who's lost. Auburn has lost. They got one. Auburn has lost by nature of losing Allen. That's Flanagan. a bad one. Um, okay, so EJ Liddell. He declared for the draft last year. He wanted to go pro. Uh, Everything I was told was like he really tried pretty hard to go pro if he could. And the feedback just wasn't there. He had a terrible G League elite camp, and it just wasn't – he couldn't do it. He could not do it. So he's back. And I would imagine Ohio State's going to play him more at the four than at the five this year like they'll play some of those combo four or five minutes with EJ and Kyle Young they will play a lot of Joey Brunk and a lot of Zed Key next to him I would think Um, but we're going to see more EJ Liddell at the four this year and I think that even beyond the counting numbers the two things he needs to just show is that he can shoot and consistently knock down threes off the catch and that he can be a Legitimate space defender in yes. some capacity yes
1: the, the defense is is where he lost me i, I like some moments last season where he's sort of like the poor man's draymond green ish type of player and then he tried to do way too much of the combine and, and didn't play his game and i just the the defense so in the tournament against oral roberts he had 23 14 and 5 but kevin o'banner had 30 and 11 and like those are the type of games and situations he has to dominate like similar size similar type of big and guys only get more athletic from there and if you watch that he just was kind of lost in the shuffle It's just bad on switches he's slow to close out like he just has to be a a step faster in everything he needs to do the mid-range jump shot stuff I, i didn't think was too bad but hitting consistently from three will will certainly help there too He's going to have a monster year, and if they are really playing with the four, there's going to be opportunities to show that his foot speed, or at least kind of his uh, his defensive court awareness and, and spatial recognition, has has gotten better too.
0: Yeah, uh, it, it just all comes down to those two skills for me. We'll, we'll just see what it looks like. I, I don't necessarily know what it looks like, but I don't even know that it's worth like belaboring. No, that's it. Death, right? If only. Like, it's just simple. He's going to be one of the best players in college basketball. He'll be All-Big Ten. He'll probably make the All-American team. But in regard to his NBA ceiling, it will all come down to shooting and
1: space defense. That was easy enough. Yes.
0: Okay. Keegan Murray's a little bit more complicated. And I like Keegan Murray a lot more as a prospect than I like EJ Liddell. Um, I will note that, like... I think everyone is kind of thinking Keegan Murray is like this very young prospect who is um, like still like way on the come up. Uh, he's like a month younger than EJ Liddell. Mm. Uh, he's going to turn 21, I believe mid season and that's fine. Like no, or no, 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 I'm sorry. He's actually already 21. Um, He turned 21 in August. He turns 22 before the start of his NBA career. That's right. Um, So he's actually older than EJ Liddell, and that's fine. I think that as he gets the kind of experience that he needs just, like, on court, and as he moves into a greater role for Iowa, he will show real, like, improvement this year. Like they're going to be good offensively, I think in large part because he's around and because like they go out and they recruit Philip Bracca who could really knock down threes. So like spacing the floor is not going to be a problem this year. Jordan Bohannon is around to knock down threes. Um, you know, hopefully one of the McCaffrey's can shoot because last year <laughs> that one. did not go well. Yeah. just want, it just has to be one of them. Right. And, and um, the yeah. Not the coach, please. God, not the coach. Um, But Keegan Murray showcased a lot last year in the, what, 20 minutes per game he played. He showed real translatable athleticism. He showed great instincts, I thought, defensively. Like, his hands are very active. He has great rotational awareness, I think, as, like, a both weak side rim protector and as a... What in the world?
1: You're having a Keegan Murray premonition?
0: I think there was just, like, a like an earthquake
1: here? (laughs) now it's your fire alarm double check
0: yeah i'm I'm very confused i didn't know that there were earthquakes in australia
1: either well you you were in la for many years until you uh wasn't so
0: okay um i've been told that apparently earthquakes happen like once every 10 years here
1: (laughs) this is year 10
0: (laughs) so uh yeah apparently this is year 10 wow Um,
1: on 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 the air live I, don't yeah, th- I don't how, know. Yeah. How much this... of this will stay yeah, in the podcast? Yeah, I don't podcast. know how much going to edit it I out, know. but that's um, an earthquake. Keegan Murray talk literally created the earthquake in Australia.
0: Yeah, Keegan Murray breakdown has caused an <laughs> earthquake in Australia, folks. Uh, this is this is the this real has been deal. the Game Theory Podcast. So...
1: Rate, review, subscribe. We have an earthquake. That's wild
0: keegan murray we think that he can shoot a little bit right uh, he shot like 30 percent from three last year it's a little but he's comfortable taking he them.
1: is it's still kind of like a weird push shot though yeah it's it's his it like right. the release points can be a a little unorthodox he's he's not a complete project either the dribbles kind of high kind of loose he's this versatile two-way guy i like him at six nine with long arms like his length like how he can switch I was gonna have to need to a guy to run their offense through too, with with Luca Garza gone, Joe Wieskamp's gone, CJ Frederick's gone. He he kinda slides into that role yep. naturally. So he's gonna have the opportunity to showcase these offensive skills and, and scoring that I'd say last year he was always in the right place at the right time. And I'd say that setting all those screens and, and all those reads they had for their shooters. He gained a better understanding of slipping and knowing when to steal some points of the defenders overplay or sneaking behind the zone. So it's only going to add to what he's able to do. It seems people are really high on him and I'm, I'm still waiting for sort of his, his next leap to, to come to.
0: Yeah. The more I've kind of thought about the profile with Keegan Murray, the more I'm like a little bit more hesitant, I guess on him. Um, not to say that people are wrong to be enthusiastic because I think that he just creates a lot of like across the board production. And from what I've heard, like very, very high level kid, um, like about the right things, works hard. Um, you know, like parents like really instilled like a positive energy with him and like a positive work based mindset. So I-, I feel good about that part of it, but... just it's we like breakout 21 year old going into like you know 21 and a half year old season like that feels like a weird expectation for me like it just feels like a weird player trajectory across the board I guess that I'm still kind of wrapping my head around
1: yeah I I totally agree with that it's it's it seems everyone is, is kind of like Jaden ivy we saw he averaged whatever 12 points per game and now he's got the usa basketball thing like we kind of saw this coming and he's going to be the guy next year at purdue um uh, he's going to score at iowa but just the role of still making like another huge leap very possible and i'm, I'm not sure to be a hater but it seems like we all kind of written in that he's going to make said leap like it's going to happen
0: right yeah yeah like in <clears throat> he'll probably be really good like, he'll probably be like a all Big Ten level player, but will that translate into like guaranteed first round? And, and like, part of this is on me. Like, I, I kind of, like, early on was like, oh, yeah, like, no, this guy's, this guy looks really good and I'm really excited about the upside, but I'm, I'm like, the upside is there, but I think that people are kind of like, slowing down on the downside or like you know putting the cart before the right. horse and like minimizing the downside a little bit too much Yeah, just, just
1: jumping just jumping um, the gun
0: yeah and, and i think that that's happening too with jabari walker like to kind of um transition to another guy where this is a thing that's happening i, I liked some of jabari walker's tape last year it was all flashes mm-hmm. like he had some enormous games last year and he had some games where he couldn't stay on the court last year um part of this i think is that people are extending out a 44 three point attempt sample into him being like a very real shooter which i think he can probably shoot i don't know that i'm like a guarantee that this guy can shoot
1: right but that's now. Who's being but and, that's who he's being billed as though right like, people see him as, he, he's right. a first-round guy because of a shooter, and if he just kind of checked in during the NCAA tournament versus Georgetown, he's 9-for-10 from the field, 5-for-5 five five from three, to the next game he doesn't score, 0-for-5 shooting against Florida State. And, and that's kind of was like the Jabari Walker experience this this year. Right. And, like, the, the ironically, also ironically, that Florida State game was the only game he took more than three threes all season.
0: Right. Yeah. Like he had a couple of like monster games like against Cal. He went like nine of 13 and had 23 points and 11 rebounds. Then against Utah, the game before that, he had 15 points and 10 rebounds and uh, made a couple of threes in that game. But I don't know. Like then after that quick, like Utah Cal stretch, Utah Cal Stanford stretch over the course of his next Uh, what is this? This is 10 games here. He scored like 27, 33. I I mean, like he literally scored 54 points in 10 games after that stretch. So I I don't know what to even – I don't know who the real Jabari Walker
1: is. (laughs) Reveal yourself. Because he he does also – to, to be positive, he'll do a lot of screen and popping actions to get a shot too, and he'll cut. He's not one of these bigs so that only floats on the perimeter. Laterally, I'm not like as an NB4, like totally there yet.
0: See, that's exactly what worries me. Yeah. Uh he's a very stiff athlete.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very I up think. and down.
0: Yeah. As a limited like, bend,
1: not up and down, like getting up and down the court.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he can actually really run the court, but it's more in terms of like bend flexibility like he just plays very stiffly and that is a significant concern for me when trying to like project these combo forward like almost like a big like i mean he's not like enormous he's like what six foot six eight, eight six foot nine? Yeah, six, eight. Yeah, like, this this skill set's a lot more interesting at, like, 6'11", I feel like. Oh, totally. Like. But at 6'8", 6'9", it's a little bit trickier, I think. And um, like he has, like, Evan Batty ahead of him. He has, like, a freshman big coming in who's, like, a true center. Um, I th- Like, he's Tristan Da Silva, who a lot of people are also pretty excited about um, across the Pac-12. So I think he plays – like, I think he plays – you know 20 to 25 minutes a night and looks pretty good but i don't i don't know like I, i'm just like 10 percent hesitant on him still i guess in, in a way that like like some people have him as like a first rounder and i, I just don't i don't know that we've seen that
1: no you you can hedge and put him 27 to feel okay about it and he was cut from the usa united world championship team and, and he's been vocal he said he was disappointed his, his coach at colorado likened it to sort of Fred Van Vliet being cut and how he used that as extra motivation for next season so see how he kind of carries that too
0: yeah no that's a really good point um yeah I I don't I don't know what to think but uh yeah kind of a stiff athlete I'll be I want to see him be better defensively in terms of rotational awareness and in terms of being able to like stick with smaller players in the moments where Colorado like gives him that opportunity.
1: Yeah. And, and can you be, are you a shooter? And if you are, can you do born that continue to cut and defend and impact the game?
0: Right. Yeah. Can, can you, even if he shoots like 38% from three this year, like that'd be fine with me. Um, 38% sounds great. I think, uh, if he does it on five attempts per game instead of, you know, one and a half attempts right. per game like he did last year.
1: Yep, I agree with that.
0: Um Yeah, like if, if he averages ten and seven, you know, like that's literally what um just kind of looking at now, like that's literally what Torvik has the projection at, like ten points, six rebounds. Like people aren't gonna be like wildly excited about Jabari Walker,
1: I feel like. You won't think based at at 6'8", you're not. And we just talked about Jabari Smith. If he did that at Auburn, we could still say he might be a lottery pick. I don't think Jabari Walker is a lottery pick with those type of numbers at, six, at his size. Right.
0: Yeah. Honestly, if Jabari Smith's only like 10.6 rebounds a game, I don't know that he's going in the lottery uh, either. It's a, it's a, it's
1: a, fl- um, a flash's business and industry. He gets in a workout, looks the part, hits threes. Yeah, they didn't use me right. They fed the post too much. The guard shot too much the narrative game could could happen
0: so you brought up uh jabari smith there Uh, another one of like the great athletes in the 2021 recruiting class was kendall brown who's going to baylor um where do you fall on kendall brown because i have kind of struggled to place him a little bit i think it's a really interesting fit within like the baylor oh yeah
1: totally totally The, the baylor thing is um Yes, I, I agree, just based on their roster, too. And they're not, they've never been, their hand has never been forced to rush it with players and freshmen. I mean, they like redshirted Dane Deja, who's, who's pretty good out of like Minnesota. Like, he could be pretty good. It, it
0: at least in this era of Baylor, like in the past eras, um, like with guys like Perry Ellis. Oh, and, yeah.
1: I, I'm, I'm talking championship, you know, transfer you, right. get old, stay old, play Mark Vidal, who's an NFL tight end now, like, like that kind of style of, of Baylor. Because right. Kendall Brown is this bouncy wing that finishes alley oops like on the way down, like a, a head above the rim type of athlete. Uh, Very good defender and and very, very good instincts, reading passing and passing lanes early and shooting the gap. He was his high school's all-time leader in scores. uh, I'm sorry, steals. Uh, The jumper isn't too bad, just like slow to get it off, at least a little bit slow. I see kind of more of a a four, and that's where we're talking about him here until the ball handling is is tighter. With Baylor, I, I will say I don't think it really matters positionally where he is because everyone sort of flies around and recovers on the court. But it's going to take time. He's going to need some development too.
0: Yeah, like I had a temptation to think of him as like this class is Greg Brown early on when I watched him, but he's not that. Like he's more mobile. I think he plays more as like a combo forward yes. because of that defensive intensity and that ability to slide laterally and, you know, actually give real high level value on that end whereas greg brown like didn't really do that at the high school level in a real way but like very similar offensive concern uh, yeah i think to what greg brown key, was he,
1: oh, i'm sorry jeez I, I think kendall's just a, a little bit leaner and like you can play him at the, the three in a pinch like i never wanted greg brown to play the three like ever but but with what with yeah. kendall brown though but... it's I, I don't know just because on on how good i i think baylor will be again like you you have Matthew Meyer like okay are, are you playing those guys together with Jeremy Sochan too who, who's coming in like there's gonna be a, a and yeah Jonathan John Machado, like there's gonna be a numbers crunch in the front court at some point so I don't know if, if Kendall's yeah, gonna what, have the opportunity even to show like I'm a, a lottery first round type guy
0: yeah what worries me is what does this look like with matthew meyer whose best position is the four with jonathan chamwa chachua who can't shoot with flo thamba who can't shoot with dying danger who i i mean like look he kind of fashioned himself a bit as a shooter in high school if i remember correctly um but i don't feel great about him shooting do you
1: no and then you still have james akinjo you still have langston love like there's adam flagler's you back mentioned
0: jeremy Sochan yeah. too like that's a guy that's actually really interesting coming out of poland or the polish league if i remember uh right yeah so,
1: yeah belgian native. i think but in germany and poland so it's uh yeah it i, I don't know what to, i don't know what to do with him yet either because he, he's he just the the bounce that he has and, and the game-changing stuff he can do at the rim is, is certainly appealing um, uh, not I'm not there yet. as kind of stamping him and saying this is a a no brainer, one year first round guy. Two years, maybe, like maybe we'll talk about yeah. it, but I'm not I'm not on board all the way.
0: Yeah, like I think that Baylor last year got labeled as like this incredible pace and space team because they were first and foremost. But I mean, they did play a lot of Mark Vital and Chama Chachua or Flo Thamba together.
1: And, right. But like, you, you can when you have we talked about the the best backcourt of league guards arguably ever. And then, oh, yeah, P.S., here, right. here's Flagler for a bit. Here's Macy O. T like bombing three. So they're able to do that because they had so much. Enabled
0: able to guard up the lineup in the case of Macy Oteague. Right.
1: And, and they could spread the floor so much that if you had two guys, you had three guys kind of jamming up, clogging up the lane. Your shooters allowed you to not completely, I don't know, mess everything up.
0: Yeah, no, totally. I think that's absolutely right. It's just that do we trust Kendall Brown to be as good defensively as Mark Vital was within that scheme? Absolutely not. But I th- think that like the pressure is going to be on him to do similarly to what Mark Vital did just because Matthew Meyer is going to be playing more minutes and Matthew Meyer is not an attentive defender, let's say. <laughs> Well, no let's, one's going to be go with that.
1: I mean, he was like a, a Naismith finalist defensive player of the year, whatever the award is titled, all all Big right. 12 defensively. he He can get there, but still very different type of players too.
0: Yeah. I kind of like the, and we'll talk about Matthew Meyer here in a second, but I like the combination of Meyer and Brown as a front court because I think that Brown brings a lot of what Meyer doesn't. I don't know that the counting numbers for Kendall Brown are going to be amazing if only because I think that Mark Vidal got really good at like knowing where to be in order to like not take up like Jared Butler's mm-hmm. space and not take up Davion Mitchell's space. Kendall Brown is more used to being like the centerpiece, quote unquote, of an offense and I, I just kind of worry if that instinct will come as natural to him early on when Jonathan Chama was going to be the guy like rolling hard to the rim. Right. And Flo Thamba is going to be the guy rolling hard to the rim. Um, they'll, they'll switch it off, obviously. And then you'll have Chama in the dunker spot and Thamba in the dunker spot with Kendall Brown setting screens. This coaching staff is good enough and creative enough to where I think they'll figure out ways to use Kendall Brown. And I think he's going to be really good. The thing that I just can't get past is when I watch Kendall Brown, I'm like, okay, I don't feel comfortable with you as a shooter yet. And I don't really feel comfortable when you put the ball on the ground. So that's actually kind of a long way to go developmentally, offensively for where the NBA is going.
1: But you made the really good point of kind of matching him, pairing him with Matthew Meyer because his strengths are his right. weaknesses and vice versa. So if you have those two guys on the wing, maybe Meyer is more offensively a three and a creator, and then defensively he can he can be the four and guard guys, Kendall can guard threes and, and vice versa. So you can switch it and make those combos work, but it's not necessarily a recipe to say this guy's a lottery pick right now.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like I think that that – upside exists if only because if he comes in and like his revamp the jump shot, basically whenever he revamps the jump shot, like if he does at some point, I think it comes on in a hurry for Kendall Brown. You know what I mean? I do like it. it, It's going to happen real quick because he is in a phenomenal athlete. He's a really good defender. I don't know if he's a great defender yet. He's a really good defender for a kid that's as young as he is. Um, I like him more than I like Matthew Meyer long-term. I think that the Matthew Meyer hype got, um, got aggressive (laughs) last year. Maybe is the way to put it. Um, another guy where the flashes are incredible, but I mean, you watch him possession by possession and like, he's, there are times where he just looks lost out there. Um, but six foot nine can really shoot the basketball, uh, can put the ball on the floor, makes really tough shots. Like I think that's what got people excited about him. Like he makes exceptionally difficult looking jump shots, has that super high release point, has the ability to get on balance in midair and get into alignment in midair. Um, really skilled offensive player that could average like fifteen points a game in the Big Twelve this year, but the possession-by-possession possession moments were frustrating with Matthew Meyer
1: last When you said super high, I thought you were going to say super high haircut because he had like that lightning bolt in the side of his head and just went full mullet for a stretch of, of games there. He was a really good piece to everything else that was around him. So he could come in and be – like Baylor could happen him be the flashes guy. Like, today's the good flashes guy. He rattles off seven straight points. And if he doesn't, it's like, ah, quick hook. Like, all right, back to four guards. We shoot 40% from three. Every single one of them, like, we're good. Davion Mitchell's going to defend. He won't necessarily have that luxury this year of having the fallback of knowing he's got these badass guards that will bail them out. Even defensively, if you take a bad shot, they're going to create steals and pressure. Those guys are in the, in the NBA now. He's going to be called upon to, to do more stuff and probably have to reel in a little bit. And uh, I, I don't know what how that's going to be, if that really fits his style of play. But if he wants to make that jump and, and get better feedback for the NBA... Those are some of the changes that he's going to have to make.
0: Yeah, he's going to have to be like a consistent defensive player this year, just straight up like that. that that's the number one thing for Matthew Meyer. To and, and, and like not he has to and not like pull up from
1: twenty six feet uh, out of a ball reversal when you're up six nothing. It's just like, well, slow down a little bit. You just got to pump the brakes a little bit. Don't just slam on him. We don't want to take away his spirit, and that's kind of what drives him and makes him special in some sense is that he thinks he can make these tough shots and he does and he spins in the lane and he can be this momentum shifter but it has to be the right way you have to shift the momentum in the, the right direction
0: right like he's not the i'm turning the momentum because i'm just coming in and like taking shots and all that shit i'm turning the momentum because that's what i can right. do right it's like
1: the uh the happy gilmore he's about to throw the hockey club into the the putter like into the woods and the lady's like stop <laughs> don't do it it takes a deep breath it's like the good happy
0: oh my god speaking of bad not bad because happy is fucking great but like um just 1990s comedies i watched dirty work after you reminded me to watch dirty work oh last you week. better
1: not be smirched dirty work <laughs> it's oh good good. Uh, if you said bad i was like hey man i gotta go i think i hear my kid downstairs dinner i'm late
0: it's so good (laughs) like the scene where chris farley just starts talking about old jack his roommate (laughs) with the y (laughs) yeah old jack sometimes he just watches me sleep Uh, okay man i don't want to stay at your place
1: (laughs) fight going down oh my Rolling Stones, street fight man g7 just hit G eight. <laughs> they hit Pina Colada <laughs> plays on. It's so good. Plays. It's so good. Oh my gosh! I, I gotta go oh, back I and watch. Know. I've watched clips since yeah. Norm Macdonald passed and listened to some pods on it and stuff. That that movie is is so underrated. It's ridiculous. It wasn't the right time and place, but it was. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a masterpiece. My friends and I. It's uh, we still <laughs> quote it like unironically.
0: Yeah, the other movie that is like that is Scream. Yeah, that's your. That's Dave your. That's your Achilles that, heel. I is. like that one even Yeah, I like that one even more than Dirty Work. I fucking hysterically laugh at that movie. Um even though I really shouldn't. It's just like a ridiculous premise that's like not cool. But
1: it's we stupid. love what we love, Sam.
0: <laughs> we do. Um okay. So we haven't talked about Julian Champagny yet. He was invited to the NBA draft combine. And interesting player. Led the Big East in scoring last year,
1: right? Uh, Yeah, it was almost 20 points per game. Sounds right. I I know it was like 19.8 points per game.
0: The concern with Shampenny was that the athleticism, even like at the G League Combine event, like, or not the G League Combine event, I'm sorry, he was just a straight NBA Draft Combine invite. But at the NBA Draft Combine, it just like didn't look up to par. In a real way that was worrisome, but he's six foot eight. He has great creativity as a straight line driver, like once he picks up the ball and is getting to the rim Uh, and he shoots 38 percent on like real volume from three. I think he probably needs to be like a legit 40 percent three point shooter to be an NBA player. Uh, I think he has the like backbone of his game to get there
1: he's very physical and it's when he's attacking you it's it's downhill it's that new york brand of of tough basketball he doesn't really have a lot of wiggle his shot it it has to hit at a higher clip and some like there's there's some kind of mechanical stuff that he could tweak too. like the shoulders aren't always really square his elbows both sort of jet out you don't want to like totally strip it down because when you average 20 points per game and and do shoot 38 percent I, I was worried a little bit, and I, I just looked, he, he did lead the Big East in scoring, our our friend Sandro mamakito was second, uh, are we worried at all with Champagny that his numbers are inflated a little bit because of the shot attempts? I mean, he took 15 shots per game last year, and I, I don't see that going down. I mean, he's got a big target as probably preseason player of the year, and wants to be a first-round pick, so he, he's going to get his shots up.
0: I think there is a chance that it goes down, if only because I kind of think that team's going to be, like, better and more well-rounded this year. Um, am I just, like, high on St. John's? Like, I think Posh is really good. I like good. Posh. That's a good get. Yeah, and, like, going out and getting, like, Steph Smith from Vermont, like, that is someone that probably helps them pretty substantially.
1: Yeah, no, I like stuff too. That was a, a good transfer that they plucked. I mean, I think you might be a little bit higher than I am, but he does have more weapons where he doesn't have to necessarily take as many shots if he doesn't need to.
0: Yeah, like they have the kid from Hofstra, Tariq Coburn. Like that kid, again, really shoots the ball from distance. Like basically they just went out and like got guys who can really shoot Aaron, Aaron Wheeler to play around posh. Yeah. yeah, and Aaron Wheeler. Aaron Wheeler's like kind of a hit or miss shooter, but he's yeah, an athlete. athletic yeah. like forward who can do a lot of different stuff um yeah they just like kind of went out and got like a couple of shooters and Coburn and Smith to play with Champney and they'll play around Posh and you know you'll have Joel Soriano who can uh, go up set screens defend the basket um I, I kind of like this St. John's team quite a bit like I know the models are down on them going into the year but I, I think they're going to be pretty good if only because I-, I guess I just might be higher on Posh than what other people are
1: but uh, but they're not, like, a team you're going kind to of sneaky put, like, odds down of your eight teams you picked to win the national championship or anything. You're just saying, like, they'll make more of a ripple within the league and within the conference.
0: Yeah, no. Like, I think there's a chance that team finishes, like, third in the Ooh, Big East. Okay.
1: Well, they need, a, they need a good year. They do. I mean, every yeah, team needs a like, good year, but I think especially St. John's.
0: Like, I think that I would pick Connecticut right now to be number two in the Big East. Just because I think that that defense is going to be like really really good, um, Xavier, there's just something off. Like I love the talent on that team, and we'll talk about Xavier at some point in the preseason. Just because they have Colby Jones, and I really like Colby Jones, but Seton Hall has to replace a lot. Providence, like I just don't know that I believe in that talent level. Creighton loses like everything on their roster. It feels like. Like, I, I kind of think that, like, St. John, Seton Hall, Xavier, like, those are your teams that are fighting for third place in the Big East, right? right? And and
1: has kind of that a little bit of the older Big East feel, too.
0: Yeah, and by the way, like, from a talent perspective, Xavier should be, like, head and shoulders, like, second or third in that league this year. Um, They have Paul Scruggs, they have Colby Jones, Nate Johnson's one of the best shooters in the country, Zach is one of the most talented bigs in the Big East. Like purely from a talent perspective. They bring in Zach or uh, Jack Nunji. They bring in, um, Adam Kunkel for year two there. If I remember correctly, who can really shoot like a- everything about that. Ben Stanley plays for Xavier and like, you know, obviously last year was like complicated for Ben Staley or Stanley, like a- everything about Xavier should be really good. <laughs> and, I, uh, uh do we, do we, like, totally trust that situation? I don't know. I
1: don't, I don't know. I, I really like Colby Jones, too. Um, that, that was a guy that I kind of tracked a little bit last year. I thought that he might break out. He could have one of these seasons where we're talking about him a little bit, too.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree. We're definitely going to talk about him in the preseason because I'm a big fan. But, uh, yeah, no, I, getting back to Julian Champagny, like – Part of me just, like, can't get past, okay. Like, this is a team that, like, kind of struggled offensively a little bit last year. And he had to do everything for them. He'll still have to do a lot, but he's going to have a lot more space to do what he's good at this year, I feel like. And that's kind of the critical point.
1: Yeah, and if you, you hit some more shots, you bump that up over thirty percent Maybe add a little bit more of a, a step back. You don't force as much trying to drive through guys because you're not going to be able to do that in the NBA either.
0: Right. Um, okay. We're, we're getting into the point where we've got one more player and then we have just like sleeper names and guys that might be like somewhat higher profile, but um, really have some questions. So the last guy here is Michael Foster. And I kind of wanted to save him for like last of the main guys, because I feel like it's a very complicated
1: deal <laughs> yes, with yes. Michael Foster. It's like, what name are you going to say? I'm like, um, that one. Okay.
0: Yeah very interesting player on a number of levels just because I mean his production was insane like he averaged like 32 and 18 at Hillcrest uh, he senior, also shot, like, a, he's he, McDonald's he, he shot
1: a lot though he did we're getting <laughs> I <said> 32 um, <laughs> and 18 i like, let's do a little context here but keep going
0: right like uh, really productive player showcases some like very modern skills like at some point, like, he might be able to shoot. At some point, like, he might be able to handle the ball and, like, do some things by NBA standards. I don't think I've ever seen a player who reminds me more of Billy Preston. Oh,
1: boy. That's not a good <laughs> good label.
0: Not a good label?
1: Oh, well, like, I, I just, just mean it's incr- not like the NBA comp you want. And Billy's... No, not at the all. League. I mean, they're... Oof, man, dude, set me back here. Um... Where do I start? And, like,
0: a big problem with Michael Foster is, like, <laughs> well, it's just all it's all on his terms. Everything he does is on well, his terms.
1: Well, if you change the name to from Michael Foster to Billy Preston in my notes section, it, it, it's the same write-up. So here, here's my bullets. Going to get his points at all cost. Yes. Has a high release that's tough to block. Yes. Falls in love with taking deep step-back jumpers. When he's driving the lane, he's driving the lane. Will take the ball all the way to the rim, even if he has three defenders on him. Yes. Has a big, strong body that could grow with a college weight room. Yes. Has to tighten all-around game. Does the things well, but plays too frantic. Also, yes. Billy Preston. Yeah, There's
0: A lot of Billy Preston but there,
1: But I, I, I don't, like, he's playing with the G League, and, and I give the G League Ignite credit for the way they did develop. Jonathan Kaminga, to be more of this 4-3-ish type of forward, creator, guy out of the wing, but defends bigs, They'll do similar type things, I'm thinking, with Michael Foster. So it's the right developmental system for him. Uh, like, when people do those crystal ball predictions, I don't think since his junior year anyone really thought he was going to college. Like, oh, here's my list. It's like, dude, you're not Just stop. Like, everyone knew that he he had his eyes on the G League or, or playing internationally, and, and now he's there and he does have a chance to to get better, kind of, like you said, on his own terms because now you have to because now the next step's the NBA.
0: That's what my hope is. Uh, Like you said, the G League Ignite did a great job. Uh, You know, Jason Hart is coaching the G League Ignite now. So I have hopes that like some of the work that USC has done with bigs and with getting guys to the NBA over the last few years, I hope that that translates. Um, I don't know. Uh, It's it's a good setup for him. Like, I, I think it's a better setup than him going to college and pissing off some megalomaniac like college basketball coach who will get furious when he takes 20 jumpers per game yes
1: i don't think they'll let him take 20 jumpers a game here but it's a it's a different level of uh of punishment in the g league versus you're in conference playing the sec
0: right like you try and you can like rationalize in your head as a player i feel like okay like i'm talented i can get this shot when i want i should take it yes right whereas against 25 year olds in the g league you probably can't do that, not not as right? frequent. Like it's harder to it rationalize
1: is. that and probably harder just yeah. just based on pure science and, and numbers mm-hmm. and length. it's it's hard to get those off to
0: right uh, i have no idea what michael foster is going to look like this year
1: i don't i, I, I He's don't incredibly either. productive I, I don't either
0: but th- there are some real concerns there just about the way that he goes about getting his production. I I don't know what to do with him. I just straight up do not know what to do
1: with him. Yeah, and if he's able to value winning over getting his points and his jumpers.
0: Yep. Uh, Okay, let's do a quick, like, seven minutes on just kind of running through some guys that we like. Uh, We should mention Dawson Garcia. He's transferred to North Carolina. Hubert Davis is taking over at North Carolina. I have no idea what that's going to look like. Just none, Um, but he had a great pre-draft process for someone that very few people thought was a draftable player going into that process. Uh, Got a G League ignite or a G League um, elite camp invite. Was the highest scorer at the G League elite camp. Uh, If they if they would have invited like seven or eight guys to the NBA draft combine, like they did a couple of years ago, as opposed to just inviting four like they did this year. Uh, He would have probably gotten an invite to the regular NBA Draft Combine, but they limited it this year. Look, the key with Dawson Garcia is defense and toughness. Uh, There were too many times last year where he was just horrible on defense and and was just, like, totally unplayable on that end, I thought. Um, If he's willing to, like, really put in effort and really, like – fix that side of his game there's some real upside there it's not my favorite like style of player because i don't love these like stretch four non like defense bigs that are pure fours can't really play the five but he could absolutely make the nba like that wouldn't stun me at all
1: yeah i'm, I'm the same it's just is he going to be able to shoot 38 percent from three and guard fours and fives if not or is beat quick enough to slide out and cut off the wings off the bounce. Uh, I don't know. I, I think he kind of sort of plays smaller than his listed six foot eleven too. Uh, I, there's a positive. Yep. I, I do like how he plays out of pick and pop on the catch. He, he thinks he's scoring, can shoot it, super left-handed. I don't really know how he fits. Still sort of this load runner, too, and I want to see at, at North Carolina the to have a loaded schedule, have a loaded roster, so he's going to have plenty of chances to, to show he's able to do.
0: Yeah, and They've made a concerted effort. It looks like to play a more modern brand of basketball this year under Hubert Davis. Like they went out and get Dawson Garcia. They have Brady manic on that roster as well. Like, honestly, like I imagine that Dawson Garcia is going to be fighting Brady manic for minutes. Um, Brady manic not a bad player by any stretch. So uh, those two with the four with Armando Baycott is a really strong um, combination offensively. I have many hesitations defensively with that front court. But, yeah, I mean, they're going to put up points. And if Caleb Love can rebound from what was a disaster freshman season, you know, they're going to be a fun team to watch, I think, at the very totally.
1: least. Totally. Man, the, like Caleb, Caleb did show, uh, I said Caleb Foster, She's Caleb Love did show those kind of moments toward the end of the year where it sort of seemed like he realized, yeah, I don't think the NBA thing's really going right now. And, it felt at least as a viewer that that stress was lifted off his shoulders. He had a couple of good games and they're mixed in. He just has to do it more consistently.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, next up for me, this is just my, uh, my, my, the guy that like, I think I'm going to be higher on than most going into the year. Uh, I really like Tumani. Kimura, yes, you do. Who was at Georgia yeah. for a few years ago or for a couple of years And transferred to Dayton this year. And if Dayton plays him in the way that they played Obi Toppin, like in a similar role where he's kind of the small ball five and they have spacing around him, I think it's going to be really fun. If they play him more at the three, which is what my colleague at the athletic Eamon Brennan said there, like he, that's kind of what his projection was. I have some significant concerns uh, about the way that this is going to go. But my guess is that it's kind of in the middle that they end up kind of playing him at the four because they have Mustafa Amziel, who is like this. Honestly, I had no idea who he was before he just like popped up at Dayton midway through the year last year. Did do you like know anything no, about him? Yeah, like he just like randomly popped up at Dayton mid year and like started making 38% of his threes at six foot 10 and like playing as like a four. Like if, if I was Dayton, I would just be playing Abziel and Tamari Kamara at the four five and Elijah Weaver at the one and like one, one two, two yeah, combo well. with Kobe, Kobe Elvis, <clears throat> playing super aggressive offensively and just making it work that way. Cause I think that this team is very, very talented by. Like, you know, Atlantic Ten standards at the very least. Oh,
1: that's slanderous too. Atlantic Ten standards. I, I like Kamara. Did start his last forty eight games at Georgia. Rotates really well. Steals, deflections, rebounds, rim runs. Uh, yep. Turn your head, you're gonna miss him. That's he's just kind of sneaky getting up the court. I like the look of his shot. The elbow is kind of tucked in. Has a pretty high lefty release. I was surprised when I double checked yep. and he was only twenty six percent shooter. The, the way it looks and comes off his hand, you think would be. Higher. I I see as this utility post does a lot of good things out there. Never has really truly been the focal point offensively. If he slides into more of that Obi Toppin role and and expectation, I would, um, it, it would change my view on him, I think, as a prospect, too.
0: Yeah. I mean, just like think about it, like just very, you know, from a very basic level, right? Like, I thought Tumani Kamara should have made the all SEC team. Last year. Like, I thought he should have made second team all SEC. That guy's now going to play in the A 10. And I don't mean any disrespect to the Atlanta 10, but just the level of athlete there is different different than the level of athlete in the SEC. Very different. So you're going to put out a lineup with Elijah Weaver, Kobe Elvis, Tamani Kamara, and Mustafa Amziel. Plus, they have Deron Holmes, who I think is like one of the best recruits like in Atlantic ten
1: history. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, right? Really good. off from Arizona.
0: And the thing that worries me a little bit there is that like Duron Holmes's best position is also probably four. the four, which I think is where Eamon at the Athletic obviously said like there's a real chance tomorrow like plays up the lineup at the three. Yes.
1: He, he he's more of a three I, than Deron Holmes is.
0: Yeah. So I don't want that. <laughs> I want Tamani <laughs> Kamara more in like the Obi Toppin right? role.
1: Well you got a kid as a top thirty recruit. Uh he's gonna play on the court. So I don't I don't know if we're gonna be able to have our cake and eat it too.
0: Yeah, um Deron Holmes is like interesting long term as well, but probably not as a one and done player
1: this yes. year, I would say.
0: Um but yeah, Dayton is gonna like Dayton Torvik has Dayton at like one twenty two I think Dayton's going to be like an at-large team this year. Is where I'm at. Good. Like I'm. Good. That that's another team that like I don't know where I get odds to bet on who's going to win the Atlantic Ten, but like Torvik has Dayton at sixth in the Atlantic Ten right now, which makes me think that like a lot of the projections have Dayton pretty low. If I could get Dayton at like eight to one to win the Atlantic Ten, like I'd probably jump.
1: On that <laughs> one, one of your many conference bets. Eight, eight, eight yeah. to one's not bad, I uh, think.
0: Yeah. And, and like honestly it might be higher, just given the fact that they're sixth in the league and Saint Bonnie's is obviously gonna be like the considerable favorite in that league just because they get Lofton and Oceanie and like Jaron Holmes and all those guys back. And um, Richmond. Richmond Rich Richards got... a th- lot too. Yeah, and didn't uh Bonnie's get the pit transfer as well, the big um Bali. Oh yeah. Um, um
1: Yes, set that- it uh scotland campus yeah.
0: and like yeah. vcu has hassan ward who by the way like another guy that i think we didn't bring up in the bigs conversation hassan ward is a very real nba prospect I yeah As like a legit athletic defender but yeah no getting back to dayton like i'm i'm pretty in on this dayton team this year like i think they they'll, they'll finish
1: be better very, than a preseason ranking i always say that
0: yeah like rhode island is like 30 spots ahead of them right now in Torvik, like I would bet a substantial amount of money that Dayton is better than Rhode Island.
1: Yeah. There's six, seven in the uh, preview. I'm looking at the Athlon sports one.
0: They're six, They're six, seven, and the eight, oh, 10 Dayton
1: it, six, Rhode Island seven.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's weird to me. Very weird to me that they are, that Dayton is not getting this much love. Like they have a lot of dudes that are high major players playing in the a 10 now.
1: Yeah, and a good
0: um, coach. Which, and a good coach, yeah, who definitely knows how to get the most out of it offensively. But yeah, Tamani Kamara, good athletic defender, uh, great reaction time. If he shoots it, I think he's like a legit NBA player. Um, any, who, who are some of the under-the-radar guys that you want to talk about? I guess we haven't talked about, like, Isaiah Mobley and F.A. Abiguiti. Yeah, I mean, th- those guys Those we've kind of talk guys, about, like... about a
1: little bit. Just just rapid-fire, I you know we're on we're a marathon here, too. Uh, I, I like Benny Williams. Yeah. I, I think he has a chance at, at Syracuse. Just a, a late bloomer. Grew 11 inches over two summers. Blanky, bouncy, kind of like uh, a Derek Jones Jr. type of guy. That's...
0: Absolutely nuts that he grew that much. Um yeah, this is the kind of pop up guy that I always look for. And I just haven't seen enough of benny Williams to like even talk about him yet. So this one's like all
1: you Well it's sort of like no one has. He he ended up being a close to consensus top thirty guy to end the year and there was some thought he he could have been in, in last year's draft because he is this super late bloomer, is this skinny kid who started to put it together, how his body should be able to function at his size and he didn't start on his varsity team at his high school. So he was a junior and they transferred to IMG Academy for his, his, last year. And, and that's why it's, it's the pop-up thing because it's, despite him being a top 30 guy for a lot of people, it's still sort of under the radar.
0: Yeah. Like not enough people have
1: actually seen yeah, in, him, in, yeah. a, in a year where people didn't watch guys anyway.
0: Right. So yeah, th- that's a really good name that I really, really want to see uh, early in the year. Like I, he'll be one of the first guys I actually get eyes on this year. Um, just cause I, like, I have a good feel for what Pat Baldwin is and what Caleb Houston is. I don't have a good feel at all for what Benny Williams is. Um, the Texas thing is interesting to me, if only because Texas has like all of the dudes in the yes. world. Um, <laughs> I really like Dylan DeSue. Like, I think he's Texas's best NBA prospect long-term. Um, another guy that I don't know if he made all sec last year, but probably should have made all sec if he didn't. Um, I think he averaged like what? 15 and like nine. It, yeah, maybe. he was
1: all, it might've been a little low that he was hurt though, too. I think that hurt him is that he had knee surgery yeah. in February. He only played 17 yep. games.
0: Yeah. But he's a legit athlete. He is 15 points, nine rebounds over a block, over a steal per game. Really good reaction time from everyone I've talked to. Like absolutely phenomenal, like first class kid. Um, the kind of kid that like you really want to bet on as a pro. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty in on okay. doing these. I didn't
1: know we are going with the betting stuff too. Uh, I yeah, he's. I thought he had a little bit more buzz last year based on stats. I know Kentucky wasn't traditional Kentucky, but he had 26 and 19. He played through the. knee pain and a a guy you just enjoy watching play he moves all over the floor he's very active battles in the paint I like his feet especially knowing that he isn't this super athlete but he pivots he faces up he rips through can step out and and keep his balance with hitting threes Uh, the the question I just have is how does he fit with the Texas roster it's it's not like he's not going to play and start but you have Timmy Allen you have Christian Bishop you have Trey Mitchell on the front court and then Andrew Jones, Courtney Ramey, Devin Askew, Marcus Carr in the backcourt. It's an embarrassment of riches. So I don't think he will be showcased as much as he was at Vanderbilt. At Vanderbilt is really him and, and Scotty Pippen just taking turns going. This is just going to be a, a different animal.
0: Uh, Isaiah Mobley, six ten, Evan Mobley's brother, obviously uh, a year older than Evan. All comes down to the shooting for me. He's actually a really good passer. Uh, legit playmaker for a guy that's six foot 10 can handle the ball I know he shot 44 percent from three last year on one attempt per game he also shot 54 percent from the foul line and nobody really thinks he's a shooter for good reason right now um he'll be the centerpiece and focal point of their offense this year and I think that He's going to put up numbers and it all just comes down to what does the jumper look like for me? Like, it's just kind of that simple.
1: And it was great in the NCAA tournament. And it wasn't necessarily that during the year, very good passer. Uh, he had really good, like these innate instincts with his brother, Evan Mobley, where he was on the court and how to set him up for an assist. Not there for me either with a shot, kind of like a moon ball. So he'll hit some open one, just has to do it at volume. Feel for the game is clear. Just has to shoot it.
0: Yeah. Um, do you have any other ones that you want to talk uh, about? The only
1: other one I just want to mention is Brandon Huntley Hatfield at Tennessee. Reclassified yep. up from Good 2021 – I'm sorry, from 2022 to 2021. Talented kid, just turned 18 in August. He's six foot nine. He's best as a 4, even like a small 5. He wants to be a wing, which is fine in some instances. Yeah. I, I don't want to see that full-time. Sort of has been up and down the grassroots circuit. He'll, he'll dominate for, for long periods and then sort of drift, and then he'll – Buries man in the post and dunk and then launch a three on the break. So you don't really know what you're getting. If he's locked in and picks his spots, utilizes talent, he's a really, really high-level guy. And uh, the shot isn't bad. I just don't really trust it in motion. Tennessee can be slower to let their freshman get going, as we saw with Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson. But he'll he'll at least be on draft radars because of his size and touch and, and upside.
0: Yep, for sure. Um I've gotten good reports for about Josh Minot at Memphis. I just have no idea if he's actually gonna get minutes yep. next year, just because like that Memphis roster is loaded now across the like you know, three, four, five positions. Um what would you call Harrison Ingram? Oh I, saved, uh, I, I think Harrison Ingram. I, yeah, I kinda
1: saved him for next week. More, more three. Yeah,
0: I kind of saved him for next week as well. Like I think he's more, he's more of like a pure three than like a combo yeah, forward to right. me. Um, you know, same with AJ Griffin. Like they're actually, um, you know, similar positionally at least. AJ is just a much better athlete than Harrison yes. Ingram. But, um, yeah, Peyton Watson, we save for next week. Um, wh- who Peyton else? Peyton Watson's uh,
1: next week. Let me just as um, uh, Don'ta Scott from maryland we haven't mentioned i mean nba kind of loves those combo four threes he fits that contribute a lot faster at maryland people expected him to was 44 percent from three on 112 attempts last year and uh he has confidence in game he believes it man he catches that ball in the perimeter he's gonna size you up and go i i my last bullet was his body needs work and then john rossi tweeted today that he's down to 230 pounds he's lost 30 pounds since the quarantine ended he was 260 Wow. so he does use extra bulk it'll it'll change he was uh more of like a wiry type build coming up through the grassroots system and at even high school but if he's at at 230 it kind of changes my my view a little bit
0: shout out um mike schmitz's ugandan national team player uh arthur kaluma good one Uh, six foot eight kid going to creighton i think probably a couple years away to be honest but um You know, certainly an interesting prospect from the little bit of tape I've seen. Trey Kaufman is another one that I think is worth mentioning too. Um, I don't know how much he'll play this year, if only because Trevion Williams and Zach Eadie are going to get a ton of minutes. And I I just don't know the way that Purdue will play. But Trey Kaufman is a very talented kid that I think will play in the NBA at some point. Yeah,
1: there's going to be time, opportunity. The other one, I'm not necessarily there with them, but Justin Lewis from Marquette uh
0: oh kinda, yeah i kind of saved him for the wings but i yeah, like
1: i, I kind of see more as like a four at, at six seven uh didn't really shoot it great from three yeah. or from the field but I, I like his rebounding i like his fight uh i don't necessarily see the the nba hype so much as some people had him like late first the end of uh last year for for this coming year coming up gonna have a chance now yeah. at marquette with the new coach staff and Shaka smart to see if he's uh able to be like the guy the alpha
0: Yeah, and we think Mason Miller is a multi-year player, right? yes. Yeah, like, very legit shooter, obviously, and um, unsurprisingly, he's Mike Miller's son. He's going to Creighton, so it's like a perfect fit across the board. Um, Pretty, like, I think he's, like, actually kind of a real athlete for what the skill set is, but, you know, it's probably a couple couple years years away at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to think that that might be it. Yeah, honestly. that might be it. Because um, even the guys we didn't mention, we mentioned in, well.
1: in passing, like Jeremy Sochan and uh, a couple of the Baylor yeah, guys, Deron Holmes, Deron Holmes, yeah. yeah, and then the, the, yeah. we'll cover so, the so. rest of the guys with uh, sort of threes and, and combo three fours for whenever we're allowed to do this again. Whenever the earthquake is ending, we'll uh, we'll start. We'll hit record again.
0: The Keegan Murray cause earthquake is <laughs> <has> ended. <laughs> uh, Matthew Penny. We're not going to talk about movies today. We're just going to move on because we've gone for 150 minutes. Probably. That's a lot. Um, tell the people where they can find, find me
1: on Twitter, Matt underscore Penny. Well, we're uh, in closer to college basketball season. It's hard to put up content with anything without it, much going on. But basketball is uh, I can smell it. It's in the air. It's crisp. The fall's here. Basketball is right there, too.
0: Yep. I've got three. um podcast that i'm recording later this week so there will be a lot of nba content coming up on this feed but until next time we'll talk soon bye